0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Last week we saw that God is a giver, and this week I want to underscore the fact that God gives through people. He uses us. He gives to His people, and then He uses us to give to Him and also to give to others. So let's look at this verse from last week, Acts 20, verse 24. This is our verse for the series. Some of you are memorizing it. If not, you can go ahead and memorize it. But for now, let's read it together. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. And then in Galatians five thirteen, we have this assignment. You, my brothers, were called to be free. Let's read it. But do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, rather, Serve one another, yeah. Sometimes people think that um, to be called in the ministry, you have to be like a priest or a pastor or a nun or something like that, a missionary, right? But all of us have been called. Notice, if we're free in Christ, all of us have been called to serve one another. Acts 20, again, says that my life really isn't worth anything unless I'm sharing the gospel with other people through love and through kindness, Last week, we gave you this lesson, and uh, as a point of review, provisionally, I have everything I need to fulfill God's plan and purpose in my life at this moment. Somebody emailed me and said, man, that sermon challenged me last week. And so my response was, well, tell me how, and they, they wrote back and said, well, there's a gentleman that I've been trying to pray that God would somehow... Touch his life. I've been praying that God would somehow bring people into his life that would make a difference. And he goes, one morning after the sermon, I woke up, and I heard this whisper. And God said, the difference maker is you. Imagine that. And he said, the first thing I I felt was, maybe that's not the Lord. Can, Can I remind you that the devil will never ask you to go love somebody? That, that your own flesh and its selfishness, its own inclination will not be to go bless somebody and to encourage somebody or to share the gospel with somebody. So if you ever feel an urge, just chalk it up to God. Well, I'm feeling this, this sense that I should go love my neighbor or, or love my boss or encourage one of my employees or encourage a schoolmate. Hmm, I wonder if that's the Lord or not. It always is the Lord if it's good and right and righteous. Come on. It always is. Whether he's bringing to remembrance something you learned or something you read in the scripture that day in your devotions, or maybe something I said that you actually remember (laughs) on Wednesday. See, I remember my sermons all week long because I I preach them three times every Sunday. So (laughs) they stick with me a little better. I write them, then I read them, then I practice them, then I speak them three times. So man, Thursday at four o'clock, I'm haunted by this stuff. Yeah. That's why I don't do marriage series very often because I'm haunted by that stuff later on and 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 my wife who always attends the third service reminds me remember what you preached yeah man that's fun a lot of fun yeah but provisionally you have everything you need to fulfill God's will and purpose in your life right now if he asks you to do something you have the goods to do it with or he's about to give you the goods after you say yes if he's calling you, nudging you to go back to school, or if he's calling you or nudging you to, get, to, to advance yourself in your career, whatever that might be, or to be a better husband or a better wife or a better friend or a better boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, whatever that might be, a better brother or sister, whatever that might be, God's calling you, he will provide for you. God's calling is God's enabling. Where God guides, he, he provides. And those are more than cliches. Those are truth for us. So for about 20 years, if you've been here, Uh, That long, you've heard me use this phrase, this quote all the time from a guy named Irwin McManus, and he says this: Love produces servanthood, and servanthood sees sacrifice as privilege. Love produces servanthood. When you are in love with God and you know and recognize His love for you, you want to be a servant. And when you become a servant based on love, or fueled by love, or fueled by the Holy Spirit, then you see your servanthood. And your sacrifice is a privilege. It's not, I have to do that, but I get to do that. I don't have to be nice to my wife. I get to be nice to my wife. Yippee yay. I don't have to do the dishes. I get to do the dishes. Yeah. I don't have to clean my room. If you're a young person, come on. I don't have to clean my, well, if you're a husband. I don't have to clean my room. I get to clean my room. I don't have to go to school. I get to go to school. Yay. Come on. I don't have to see that teacher in fourth period. I get to see her or him. Come on. It'll change your life. Speaking of changing lives, there's a couple events coming up around the corner where this church is really trying to be the heart of God to the community. Our our harvest party or our block party that we have every year, we block off this street. And we've been doing this a long, 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 long time. And uh, some years we have between 3,000 and 4,000 people come to this party. And the reason I show this picture is some of you are newer to LFC. You weren't here last year. So you don't know this. Or some are watching online. They, they, they don't know about this. But uh, yeah, 72, pick up your pizza. But anyway, uh, then, we, then we do the, the post-game party. And here's the miraculous thing about this. On Halloween night, which is October 31st, we do this alternative to Halloween and scary stuff. And then three days later, three, th- three, three days later, we turn around and do the post-game party. Now, we don't get to schedule when Halloween falls. And we certainly don't get the schedule when Lompoc High plays Cabrillo High. And based on the <coughs> current <coughs> Lompoc <coughs> High School scores... <coughs> I'm praying for Cabrillo. That's all I got to say about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they beat the Santa Barbara Dons last night 56 to 0. And they took out all the big players in the first half. Anyway, <clears throat> so moving on. But Cabrillo's do, rebuilding year, so come on. But when we go to the post-game party at the Aquatic Center at the YMCA parking lot, it isn't about uh, blue and white and black and gold. It's all about young people coming together uh, and enjoying you know 380 free pizzas and a coffee bar and jumpy things, and uh, you know it's so great. We had about 14,50 high school students last year attend the party. Uh, this is our 24th year to do this. Now, somebody says, "Well, why? C- can I tell you from both events, we've seen people come to church? From both events we've seen people come to Christ, and from both events we've actually seen people get baptized in water, and follow Jesus, we can connect those events back to souls. We can connect those events of love and kindness, of using what God has given us. So if you're waiting for someone else to sign up when the sign-ups happen in a few weeks, don't wait. There is nobody else. It is you. And we need you to pass out candy or to pass out pizza or to donate. Um, By the way, the post-game party for one night, it's a $17,000 party. So keep those cards and letters coming in, will you? (laughs) Yeah, 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 it is. And uh, it's the only event we ask for donations from the community. And last year we received between gifts and in-kind donations and cash only about $1,000 from our whole town. But that's okay. The big reason is we just want them to know that we're doing this thing. So speaking of post-game, let me talk to you about two guys who were a team, a ministry team, Peter and John, ministry team. They had prepared the, uh, the, the Passover meal together. They had done ministry together. They were the, some of the very first people to walk to or to run to the tomb after Jesus resurrected on Easter. We're in Acts chapter 3. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you'll want to go to Acts 3. I'll make uh, references to the passage after uh, we read it. It says in verse 1, Acts 3, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And a man was crippled from birth. He was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every single day where he could beg for some money from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. That's just what he did. Peter looked straight at him as did John, and then Peter said, look, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, "Um, we don't have what you want. We don't have silver, we don't have gold, we don't have any gift cards to give you. But we do have something. We have a relationship with this man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and so in his name, by by his power, walk. By the way, it's one of the shortest prayers in the Bible, (laughs) isn't it? In the name of Jesus, walk. Boom. That's it. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. If you're an old timer, you may remember an old song, walking and leaping and praising God, walking. Anybody remember that? Good. Thank you. Four old timers like me in here. <laughs> but when all the people saw him walking, and they saw him praising God. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were, what? Filled with amazement at what had happened to him. They'd not seen this before. So I want to give you some points today about being a difference maker. Number, number one, God makes a difference to people who are doing the right things. This may seem simplistic, but it was the hour to pray. They were, they were going in the, the synagogue. They were going to the church house. In their time, and, and it was the right thing to do. By the way, you did the right thing today coming here or watching online. See, it's the right thing. You're already a step ahead of a lot of other people. And by the way, they're going to pray. Prayer is very vital in your life and my life being a difference maker. Prayer is not only us talking to God, but it's us listening to God. It's where we get our bearings. It's when we realize where we need to spend more time. With, with whom do we need to invest? If you're a parent and you've got a couple kids, well, if you if you spend all the same amount of time with all your kids, you have a problem. You know, I'm an equal opportunity parent, but but sometimes one child may need a little more attention than another, and so you listen to the Holy Spirit to see well, where do I need to invest maybe just a little bit more time in this child in this season, or in that child in this season, or or maybe if you if, if you're a leader or a commander or a manager, a boss of some kind, you go, hmm, I wonder who needs a little bit more time right now. If I invest a little bit more time in them uh, to see a great return on investment, we begin to pray and ask God to bless us and to use us. But one of the things that God does is he always makes a difference to people who are doing the right things. If you're disobeying God, if you're walking away from him, if you're drifting away from a on fire relationship with him, uh, he has less chance to use you. But when you're doing things that you know that are right, God can use you. The second thing is God makes a difference to people who are willing to be interrupted. Verse 2 and 3 say, it was time to pray, and they're walking into the house of prayer, and they stop for a minute. Now, I talk about this every few years. This this one particular uh, 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 story is always important to me because I say this, are you a person that is interruptible? In other words, are you so scheduled out that God couldn't get into your schedule even if he tried? And I I pray this prayer, and I, I pray it for you. Maybe you want to even write it down. It's real brief. God, today, interrupt me. God, this, this day, interrupt me, tap me on the shoulder, Lord, and, and, and show me a need right in front of me that I'm missing every day, or, or show me a, a concern in my spouse, or in my friend, or in my mom, or in my dad, or in my brother, or my sister, or my schoolmates, wherever you are in your life, Lord, would you have the permission to tap me on the shoulder, because sometimes I'm a little slow. I know all of you are sharp and quick and brilliant, and you never miss the whisper of the Lord, but sometimes I do. So I pray this prayer. Lord, would you interrupt me? God, I'm about to go into this meeting. I'm about to meet with this person. Lord, I'm I'm, I'm on my way to have coffee with somebody. This happened to me a while ago. I was on my way to meet with somebody for coffee. And on my way in, I see this person I've not seen in years. And I heard that whisper. I thought, oh, but I'll be late for the... So I stuck my head into the coffee shop. One minute. And they go, yeah, I know what that means with you. One minute. (laughs) One minute. (laughs) <laughs> but I was, I was able, because I was interruptible, to share something with this gentleman that I needed to say to him. And as we ended our brief time, maybe it was only five minutes, folks, but as I ended my brief time with him, I, I watched tears come down his face. I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, Lord, I'm so grateful for this divine moment today I've had, and I called him by name. And you might go, oh, great, the pastor another wonderful story. No, I'm just telling you because that, you can do that too. You can do that too. God, interrupt me. See, the question is, are you interruptible? I don't even know if that's a word, but I like to use it. Does God have the right to interrupt you? Interruptions can be turned into difference-making opportunities if we're willing to let God use us. So there's a story of four young lads by the name of Tom, Dick, Harry, and Joe. Tom, Somebody, Dick, everybody, Harry, anybody, and Joe, nobody. And together they were all the best of friends. But I must confess, when it came to a task, they weren't very good. You see, whenever they were given a job, they began to fight because this is always how it went. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it and anyone could have done it, but in the end, nobody always ended up with the task. But when nobody did it, somebody was angry because it was everybody's job but everybody thought that somebody would do it instead. Now, nobody realized that nobody would do it. So consequently, everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done in the first place. (laughs) Whenever anybody mentioned leadership, somebody always looked to this wonderful person for inspiration and results, someone else. Someone else could do that job. And where there was a job to do and a need to be filled or a place of leadership, one name always was given, someone else. Everyone knew someone else was the one who'd get things done. Whenever there was a need, everybody, anybody, and somebody always assumed that someone else would make up the difference. But the reality is, it didn't get done. No longer can they utter the words, let someone else do it. If it's going to get done, one of them will have to do it, but I guess most of the time it will be nobody. Now, that's hard to read, but you get the point? Yeah, they'll take care of it. In the case of the gentleman that emailed me, oh, Lord, send someone to touch my friend. Send someone to help them in a time of need. Send someone to preach the gospel to them. Send someone in one morning. How about you? The Lord whispers. And he shared with me on Friday that he went to his friend. His knees were knocking. His blood pressure was up, and he told his friend, I need you to know something. God has put you on my heart, and I'm going to pray for you every day. If you ever need me for anything, don't hesitate. That was his, his foot in the door. And a gentleman looked at him and just said these deep, profound words, thank you, thank you. I don't know where that will lead, but I've heard stories like that become salvation stories and great testimonies down the line. See, God requires nothing of us that he's not already provided or will provide. If God calls you to do something, he's going to provide it for you or he's already given it to you. And sometimes it just happens after you say yes or or after you start going, God gives you the ability to do that. Someone was telling me that they were going to share at their Bible study, you know, and and they're a little nervous about it. But they said yes anyway, and now they're going to have to share at their Bible study and and God's going to use them. God will give them insight. God will give them words. Why? Because they're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the benefit of others, and God will bless them. Number three, God makes a difference to people who pay attention to needs. In verse four, we see them looking at this man. They're paying attention. Uh, And in my my study, I found out it was more than just a gaze. It was a discerning moment for them. What does this man do? really need. If we, if we could get some coins for him, silver and gold, then he'd be okay for the day. But if we could see him healed, then he could work and have coins the rest of his life. They saw the difference. And so they began to, to have a sensitivity and a compassion to the moment. People brought the beggar every day. And I would doubt that anybody really ever looked at him Anybody really ever made eye contact? Anybody really discerned his need? But Peter and John did that day. Peter and John did. In order to be that kind of person, we all have to look beyond ourselves, beyond our own needs. This was a divine moment where God was, was touching them and using them. I say this too a lot around here, and it's in your notes that givers have as many legitimate needs as takers. They've just determined to be givers. Now, I know none of you in here are, are takers. You're all givers, right? Come on, it's next service. We got some takers in the next service maybe, or maybe they had a clock service. Of course, they said you guys are probably the takers. But anyway, all of you in here have any, as many legitimate needs as someone you give to. If you, if you give your finances, some, you have legitimate needs. Or if you pray for somebody, you need to be prayed for as well. Or if you serve someone, sure, you need to be served, but you've determined in your heart of hearts, I am going to be a giver, Lord. In other words, I want to be a difference maker, and I want you to make a difference through me. Number four, difference makers become encouragers. Uh, In verse four, and in some versions, it's in verse five, where Peter and John say to this lame man, we want you to look at us, look at us. The word in the Greek means hold fast. In other words, we, we, we know what, what beggars did. They looked to the ground because they said, you know, alms for the poor, give to the poor, and they would wait for money to drop on the ground and they would collect the money. They were always looking downward. In some cultures, it was forbidden for beggars to look in the eyes of someone else. And so here we are coming to a place where Peter and John say, would you lift your head up? And here's what they're doing: get, get your eyes off your current condition. Get, get your eyes off your begging. Get, get your eyes off the fact that you're, you're lame and can't walk. Get your eyes to look up. if you can see us, maybe you'll see Jesus in us, and, and maybe you'll even see beyond us, you'll see into the heavens that you'll recognize that God has, has more for you. They were encouraging him to look beyond his current condition. They were asking him to fix their eyes, to hold fast. Look right here, and don't you dare drift off of what you see in us. Number five, God makes a difference through people that are willing to use what they have. What they have. No doubt you could tell stories about your own life where you used what you had. Um, Maybe it was somebody came over to dinner, and they were unannounced, Somebody dropped in on you and you looked in the cupboard and go, oh my gosh, uh, Jiffy cornbread mix, macaroni and cheese, <laughs> Del Monte green beans. What will I do? And you whipped up this casserole souffle that was, you know, five star. And then here was the funniest part. They asked you how you made it and you didn't know. It was just this and that, and whoa, that was great. What's the recipe? And you tried to make it a second time, and you couldn't. Has that ever happened? Am I the only one? Yeah. Yeah, I made some for our staff a few weeks ago, and they were all like, whoa, Pastor B, this, you knocked it out of the park. What did you put in? I, I don't remember. It was really good. But I used what I had. You use what you have. You use what you have. The amount of faith that you have, the amount of Bible knowledge you have, the amount of compassion you have, just use what you have, and then God will give you more. God can use you and what you've been given. How many of you here uh, have ever given a gift card as a gift to someone? Ever a gift card? Now, if you go to stores, you know, they've got these racks of gift cards, and it's kind of nice as you're walking out, you go, "Mm, gosh, I forgot, I need to get a card. So you go get a card, and then you go buy a gift card, and you, man, you feel good. I've got my gift, I'm ready to go. I've I've given people Starbucks cards, or Olive Garden cards, or, uh, you know, or I'll go to to a uh, restaurant, and most of these ones around here, uh, some have cards, some just have a little paper thing, you know. And I always wonder if somebody wipes it out and changes the amount. I don't know. But I I, I did some reading about gift cards. Did you know that one-fifth of all gift cards given in the United States never get used? What? You're saying, what? Give your cards to me if you're not using them. I know what that what meant. Yeah. One-fifth. It equals over a billion with a B, a billion dollars of unclaimed gift cards, Amazon cards, Starbucks cards, and merchants are savvy. If somebody gives you a $10 card and you use $8.59 of it, they know you're not coming back for the remainder. Or if you've got 82 cents left on a Starbucks card, most of you won't go in for 82 cents, but most of you would. Come on, I'm I'm a would, I would. I've been in for three cents before on a gift card. I had three cents left. I said, here's my card. They laughed at me. (laughs) I wouldn't laugh. It's three pennies I found on the ground. The same thing, right? Yeah. Oh, they love it, though, the merchants, because when you've got three cents left or 82 cents or $3.18 and you don't claim it, they got the money. Yeah. Number one reason people don't use their cards. Are, Are you ready for this? They claim they didn't have time. Another fourth of the people said that they had lost the card, couldn't find it. They put it in the bottom of the purse, and then they gave that purse away to the thrift shop. And anyway, they don't have that, that card anymore. And then there was a good amount of the remainder. The card had expired. So just, one, just word of the wise. If you have cards that you aren't using, bring them here. And I'll give them out to those people who said, what? (laughs) And make sure that they get the cards. But isn't that like the gifts that God has given us? The story of the talents where one man buried the talents, or can I use the word gifts that God gave him? Buried them. Kind of like losing. Uh, This article went on at the very end to say, people that do not use their gift cards, what a waste. That was a statement. What a waste. I don't want anybody to waste their gifts and their talents that God has given them. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you you will be my, yeah, yeah, telling people about me everywhere. By the way, the word witnesses is plural on purpose, and the Greek text is plural. It means everyone who's come to know Christ and knows the Holy Spirit is a witness. All of us have this. It's not an option. This is a command. We're all supposed to do this together, to use what we have to bring people to Christ. Number six, God makes a difference to people who realize their source of giving is God. Verse six says that. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, we, we give to you. What did they have? They had Jesus. The greatest gift you'll ever give someone else is Jesus. It's the greatest gift of all. Hey, I don't have everything you need for your life, but, but, but I know somebody who does. And his name is Jesus, and he still makes a difference in, in the lives of men and women and boys and girls. God has gifted us and equipped us to do things for him that no one else can do. It's uniquely you. God wants to uniquely use you with the gifts and the talents he's given you to make a difference in others. Number seven, God makes a difference through people who attempt to do great things for him. Now this, this, this is a great point. We need to camp here a few minutes because here's Peter and John and the story is they lift this man up. They lift him up. And all of a sudden his legs start to lock and his ankles start to lock. That must have been an odd thing. By all accounts, we, we, we don't know how long this man has not walked, but, but he could have not walked for... A long time, and when you've been laying down, and all of a sudden you're vertical, that's weird. It's kind of like if you've ever been on roller skates or roller blades. Whoop! You're all of a sudden taller, and it just feels funny. Ladies in high heels, I never figured that out. How do you do that? You know those real tall ones. You know, actually, I, I re- recently I saw two gals. Uh, they were all dressed up, and they had their heels on. And one gal looked at the other. And she said, Do those hurt your feet? Oh, yeah. And she said, Mine too. And they walked off. I thought, they, If they hurt your shoes, they hurt your feet. Why don't you get like some vans or something, right? Get your gown and your vans. You could be cool. You could walk. You could pretend you got healed. Anyway, I don't know. So, all right, that's silly. I, I got it. See, Peter and John raised him up, but only God could make him whole. They went to the end of their human ability. And then God did what he alone could do. I love that kind of life, where you go to the end of your human ability, where you don't let fear control you, where you don't let the past control you, or you don't let past failure. Well, I failed in the past. I'm not going to try it again. Where you say, God, I'm, I'm all in. I'm going all out. I'm, I'm using all my gift cards you gave me. I'm going to do this, Lord. I'm going to do this for you. And then, Lord, if you don't come through, I'm sunk. I like that. You know, as your pastor, I pray this all the time. God, I'm so glad this is your church, that you're the leader, because I I can't do this. He goes, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I, I can't. This church outgrew me a long time ago. And so you start to say, God, what do you what do you want us to do? And, and of course, the picture of doing church as a team comes to mind. Tonight at six o'clock, it, it, we've got a group of people that are meeting in the connections. An interviewer invited. Uh, we're we're studying on doing church as a team, and and the guy that you saw in the video, Wayne Cadero, he's he's on our videos that we use for our small groups. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool time. But we recognize we need a team, and we recognize that we have to to push our own personal envelope. We have to push our own comfort zone and get out there. I still remember the first time we, we uh, approached the city and said, we, we, we want to move the post-game party over to the Aquatic Center. There was no Aquatic Center yet, it was just a hill and a rise of grass, and we moved over there. Oh, man. Somebody at the city said, well, why do you want to do that? Because we like to have a free party for the kids. Well, what's it cost to get in? It's free. How much money will the church make off this? It's free it costs us money to have the party. How much will the city cost us to use your grass? Well, uh, let's see, uh, 492 bucks, and, you know, and you've got to have a $2 million underwriter insurance policy. Yep, got that. Well, what kind of generators will you use? How much pollution will you go? Oh, got to pay fish and game. You know? I'm just telling you, this is fun stuff, man. But we went to the end of our human ability and we asked them, and actually the city was very kind to work with. And now they see value in the, in the party, so much so that there's been no juvenile arrests after the post-game party night, after Lompoc plays Cabrillo, the Lompoc police report, the county sheriff reports, no juvenile arrests. Before the party, there used to be. Because one team won, and they want to go out and celebrate, knock over newsstands and break windows. The other team lost. They want to go vandalize your property, your property. And now, guess what? We wear them out. They're jumping things and (laughs) eating pizza and it's setting heavy. They all want to go home and go to sleep. So, you know, it's a good thing. And by the way, the city commends us for doing that. But it was a big ask for us to ask those questions. We went beyond our comfort zone. So here's what it is. It's, Lord, here I am, use me. Lord, here's my gifts. I bring them to you. You know, the world's a better place really is because Michelangelo didn't say, I don't do ceilings. (laughs) The world's a better place because a German monk named Martin Luther didn't say, I don't like reformations or change. The world's a better place because Moses didn't say, I don't do mass migrations. (laughs) The world's a better place because Noah didn't say, I don't like animals and I'm not a good shipbuilder. Hey, the world's a better place because David didn't say, I'm afraid of giants. I don't do giants. The world's a better place because because Mary didn't say, I don't do virgin births. The world's a better place because Jesus Christ didn't say, I don't do crosses. And the world's a better place when you and I say, I'm willing to do whatever you've called me to do. And lastly, God makes a difference to people who are desirous that God receive all credit and all glory. In Acts uh, 3 verse 11, the people rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. They all recognized this is a crippled man. They saw him holding on to Peter and John. And then Peter and, and John respond this way. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, verse 12 and 13, Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if this was done under our own power or godliness? We did not make this man walk, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. Why do you marvel at us? Well, I, I think God loves to use people he knows are going to give God the credit and the glory. Peter and John could have said, Yeah, we're awesome. We're starting a ministry now called Peter and John We Heal the Sick Ministries.com. <laughs> Global satellite. We're going to rent out a, a big theater. We're going to soon rent out a big stadium. We're going to have crusades because Peter and John. But right away they say, No, 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 it's not us, it's God. God knows if he's going to get the credit or not, or you're going to keep the credit for yourself. God knows whether or not you're going to pat yourself on the back, or you're going to say, excuse me, my hands are lifted to him in glory and praise for all that God has done. If if someone ever says to you that you're awesome, or you do a great job, or you're a good husband, or a good wife, or a good kid, you stop and say, well, excuse me, if you see anything good in me, it's only because of the good one, God himself. Because all good gifts come from the Father above. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise God the Father in heaven. And it's the fact of this one thing, that God is our source. So before we pray, let me ask you a couple questions. Am I willing to give the Lord all I have? This is for you that want to be a difference maker. I mean, if this is a sermon, you close it up. I went to church. I'm done. Okay. But if you want to grow, ask this question, Lord, am I willing to give you all that I have? Am I really willing? And am I willing to use what God you have given to me? Am I willing to use it? Or will I be like those with the gift cards, one-fifth of which never get used? Am I willing to let his power make a difference through me? Not just in me, oh, thank you, God, for the blessings, but no, no, through, through, through me, am I willing to give my life to him? I, I know that there's probably some of you here or watching online who have yet to give your life over to Jesus Christ. And it'd be easy for me to say, okay, we're done, see you later. But I want to ask you this question. There's this incredible gift called salvation. It's like a gift card to save you from your sin and your shame and your guilt and your past. And it's a card that opens up a place for you in heaven. Pretty cool deal. It's all been done. It's not what you do. I've got to do good works. Talked to somebody the other day, and they said, it's all about good works. I mean, really? When are your works good enough? Well, you know, you just got to keep chugging along until they're good enough. And I thought, man, how do you get to God from here? It's an awfully long jump. But Jesus Christ has already done everything for us that we'll ever need done when he dies on a cross and, and, and he sheds his blood for our sins. And to top it off, here's the exclamation point, he rises from the dead. What a gift. And then he says, hey, the, this same power that lives in Jesus can now live in you to transform your life. You talk about the greatest difference maker, that's, that's who God is. And He wants to do that difference in you. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.